Welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast. I am your host, G2, and today I will be giving you my review of Clash at the Castle. That's a WWE premium live event that just happened last night on September the 2nd. So, without a further ado, let's start the show. We are in Cardiff, Wales, and there will be over 62,000 people in attendance for this WWE premium live event. This show was literally half, I got correct, like predicted right, the other half, I got completely wrong. And the first match that will start off the show will be the six-woman tag team matchup of the Raw Women's Champion Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, and Asuka going against Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky. And the first thing that caught my eye was that Bailey got new ring interest music, but on like her Titan Tron that went around the arena, it said damage control. So it seems to me that Bailey's group is going to be called Damage Control. Uh, Bailey would win the match for her team by pinfall when Bianca had Dakota Kai in position to hit her with the KOD, but Bailey would grab Bianca's braid and pull on it and hold it, and this would allow Dakota to get off of Bianca's shoulder and hit Bianca with a running quarter corner kick to the face. Uh, Dakota then would tag in Io Sky, and then Io would tag in Bailey, and then you would see Bailey hit Bianca with the rose plant. That's basically a face buster, and then. Io would hit her moonsault and Bailey would cover Bianca for the win. The fans absolutely love Bailey in this match. At the beginning of the match, you would see Bailey and Bianca start the match off, and before they even lock up, the fans will be chanting, A Bailey, I want to know, will you be my girl? And the fans would constantly chant that throughout this match for Bailey because they are smitten with Bailey. And Bailey at the start of it would like smile at it, but then she would have to go back to being the villain. And you know that Bailey liked the chant, but it got to the point that every time Bailey would get tagged in and they would do the chant, Bailey would just tag right back out. So again, she's playing the villain here. Um, what this means is that also with Bailey getting the pin over Bianca, Bailey is more or less the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship, and we're going to be continuing from that feud that she was not able to continue or basically finish off with Bianca last year because I believe she has some type of injury in her leg, so she had to get that fixed up, and that's the reason why we didn't see her for over a year. So we're going to be getting back to that more or less when Raw comes about. So the thing to take away with this, Bailey's more or less the number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship, and Io and Bailey and Dakota got the win over this powerhouse of a tag of a six woman tag. Um, after this, we would get into my personal opinion, the match of the night, the intercontinental championship match, Sheamus with Ridge Holland and Butch in his corner. When he comes out going against Gunther, who had Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci, he would have Imperium by his side at the beginning of the match. And I have to st- Put a heavy emphasis on the beginning for Sheamus and Gunther having their guys at the beginning of the match because when they get into the ring and all six men are literally lining up staring at one another, you will see Ridge and Butch go after Ludwig and Giovanni while Sheamus and Gunther just constantly just stared at each other. They didn't move eyesight. They just constantly stayed deadlock on each other while their henchmen would just be battling with each other before the bell even rings. The henchmen would fight on the outside of the ring, and then they'll be fighting to the back. And then now it's down to just Sheamus and Gunther. And once the bell ring, it was just nothing but a complete 
brawl fight fest between these two. This was not a wrestling match. Wrestling consists of slams, technical holds, and all that type of stuff. No, this was a fight. You had Gunther and Sheamus just straight up just punching and kicking and chopping each other to the point that Sheamus's chest was like bruised up and Sheamus was beat up the most I've ever seen in his career in this match by Gunther. Gunther is known for doing his chops and you were able to see like when Gunther chopped Sheamus the sweat that was on Sheamus's chest would just pop off and just hit like mist in the air and back to Sheamus hitting Gunther too whenever it's time for doing his uh 10 beats of the Baron, which what that is for people that don't know what that means. Sheamus would hold uh, Gunther next to the ropes and hold him by his chin. And then he will use his other arm and just start bouncing it off of his uh, chest, off of Gunther's chest. So it just start laying into it. And as he's doing this, you start seeing Gunther's chest become red. So as I said, both of these men were just constantly beating up on each other as this match continued on. And you got to see Sheamus also hit a move that he doesn't hit a lot anymore. Uh, the Celtic Cross, which is the Razor's Edge. So I was glad to see him use that move. But in the end, it would be Gunther to get the win when he would hit Sheamus with a powerbomb and cover Sheamus. But Sheamus would kick out and then Gunther would hit a wicked clothesline on Sheamus and cover him for the win. So Gunther is still your Intercontinental Champion. We are still on the beaten path for Gunther to go against Bobby Lashley at Survivor Series. We still only got two more months until Survivor Series, which is November. And with time going as fast as it's going now, those two months are going to fly pretty quickly. And we're going to get to Bobby Lashley going against Gunther. And also, this leaves Sheamus in a real particular spot. Not particular, peculiar spot. Because now, it seems like he's a good guy now. Because after the match was done and Gunther walked to the back with Imperium, you saw Sheamus stand in the middle of the ring and Cardiff just start clapping for him. They gave him a standing ovation. I mean, the whole entire building just stand up. Even the commentators of Michael Cole, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton stood up and they just all gave Sheamus a applause for one hell of a performance tonight that he had against Gunther. And it could have went either way with Sheamus or Gunther winning, but Gunther winning was just the smartest business sense because having Gunther be up on the main roster for the short amount of time and to win the Intercontinental Championship in two months in his main roster debut, then to have him lose the Intercontinental title to Sheamus here, I mean, nobody would have had a problem with it because they gave you one hell of a match, but then as people armchair quarterbacking like fans do and even I do, we will start trying to like depict and pick apart like okay they could have did this they could have did that Gunther still could have been champion and it all would have made sense but for Gunther to now still be champion that is a good thing for Sheamus where does this leave Sheamus now is he just going to go on the baby face which means good guy in professional wrestling or is he going to go back to being the nasty brute that just fights anybody for anything that is all what we're going to have to find out whenever we get the smackdown after this, we would get the SmackDown Women's Championship matchup of Liv Morgan and Shayna Baszler. And Liv would win the match by pinfall when Liv was able to hit Shayna with the code breaker. They'd finish her off with Oblivion for the win. Liv was loved by the fans here. Liv was not booed. Now, if she was in the States, the fans would have been booing her and they would have cheered Shayna Baszler all because of WWE's 
storyline, their creative process of how they've booked Liv Morgan in her championship run so far. Um, but since they're overseas, they were able to keep Liv Morgan to retain her SmackDown Women's Championship. Now, I'm not mad at that. I actually predicted Liv to win. I thought she was going to win by being, by doing some type of uh, bad guy tendency, but she won by straight up clean uh, wrestling between her and Shayna. And as a matter of fact, Shayna and Liv actually had a good matchup here. Uh, during this match, you saw Liv counter out of Shayna's submission maneuvers as Shayna constantly tried to lock in the Karafuda clutch on Liv, but Liv would constantly be able to get out of it. And then you saw Liv go and put Shayna in an arm bar and actually lock in an arm bar to the point that Shayna looked like she was almost going to tap. So the backstory for that was that Liv was training with Riddle, Matt Riddle, to get herself prepared to go against Shayna Baszler to make sure she can counter out of her, uh, Shayna's submission. So all that played into this matchup right here. Liv was able to do what she had to do win the SmackDown Women's Championship. So now it's more or less going to be, is she going to go against Ronda again? Are we going back to that watering well? Or are we going to move over to Liv going against somebody else? We'll probably get an answer on that on SmackDown. But again, Liv Morgan won and retained her SmackDown Women's Championship here. Now for the tag team matchup of Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic in their corner going against the Judgment Days, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and with Rhea Ripley in their corner. Edge and Rey Mysterio would win the match by pinfall thanks to some help from Dominic. When Dom would trip Finn as he was running off the ropes and then Finn would look at Dominic, this would allow Rey to kick Finn in the back and then hit the 619. Then Edge would finish off Finn with a spear, cover him for the win. This is a good match between Edge, Rey, Finn, and uh, Damian Priest. You got the usual suspects of Rhea Ripley getting in and interfering in the matchup. Dominic would get in and interfere in the matchup. You had Edge and Ray playing off a of former uh, tag team chemistry that they had because they teamed up with each other and they won tag team gold in 2002 on SmackDown. So they were able to play off of their past connection as a tag team going against a newly fresh tag team of Damian and Finn that's still trying to get their tag team chemistry together, but they are at least working it out. Also, Edge and Ray, they had matching uh, gear. You had them wearing the black and red stuff while they're on their attire, but Edge came out in a wrestling mask, but with like horns on the top and his own little like design on the front. But he ends up taking the mask off after he gets done with his entrance, but he came out with a mask for solidarity with Ray. And the story of this matchup was literally Dominic Mysterio. I mean, Dominic didn't play a part in the matchup towards the end of it but after the match that's when the real story really kicked up because once Edge and Ray would get the win you would see Dominic get in the ring and it seems that Dominic would just be like the third man or like the odd wheel out because you saw Edge and Ray over there in the corner just happy to have beaten Finn and Damian and you see Dominic over on the side just staring at them and then you see Edge and Ray walk over to Dominic, and they're happy that they just won the match. Dominic is happy, but you can see like a little bit of content in his face. And then you start seeing Edge and Ray trying to like cheer up Dominic. Hey, we won the match. You should be happy. Then you see Dominic kick Edge directly in the nuts, 
and Edge drops down, and now he's laid on the mat. Ray would turn to Dominic and ask him, what's he doing? And you start seeing Ray try to convince his son that, hey, it's going to be okay. You don't have to do this. Dominic would clothesline Ray Mysterio, and you now have the whole building just booing Dominic. And at certain points, the camera shots would be going to some fans that are covering their mouth that are shocked to see Dominic turn on his father. I mean, it was all bound to happen. You could see it after the match was done. I mean, literally, it was point blank, brightest day in your face that Dominic was going to do something to Edge and Ray after the match. I mean, literally, you could see that. So when they did it, I wasn't shocked by it. I just thought that he would have gave Judgment Day the win. But no, he just said, screw Edge and screw his father after the match. And also, to add more gasoline onto the fire, you would see Judgment Day just laughing at the destruction of Edge and Ray after Dominic did what he did. You just see the camera point over to Judgment Day, and they're just straight up just laughing at this. They might not have recruited Dominic into their stable, but their mission was complete. They got Dominic away from his father, so that was all what that story was about. Dominic being held back by his father. So now we're going to have to see where this leads and takes Dominic Mysterio. Will he be able to achieve newer heights without his father? Will he be having to grovel back to his father after he couldn't do what he has to do? Will Edge go after Dominic? Will Ray try to be the middleman and make sure Edge doesn't go after his son? That's all new territory that we're basically getting into with Dominic Mysterio here. And I can't wait to see it because now we're going to have Dominic get on the mic on Monday Night Raw. He's going to get on the mic and he's going to have to explain why he did what he did. And more or less, Edge is going to try to come out from Fury and Ray's going to run down there and try to protect his boy. So it's going to be a nice, interesting dynamic once we get to that on Raw. That's just where I think we should be going. But with WWE and creative, you don't know where they could lead to. But on Raw, I tell you right now, that's where they should go. Dominic get the mic, talk, Ray, and Edge comes out. Edge tried to get at Dominic. Ray's going to have to stop him. That's what it should be leading to on Monday Night Raw, but we will have to see when Raw comes about. After this, we would get Matt Riddle going against Seth Rollins. Rollins would win the match by pinfall when Rollins would get into the head of Riddle when he would grab Riddle by the face and say that he is a loser. That's why his wife left him and his kids don't want anything to do with him. And once Seth would say this, Riddle would like it would light a spark in Riddle and Riddle would start unleashing a fury of strikes onto Seth. I mean, just punching and kicking Seth to the point that Seth would try to leave the ring and escape. And he does so, but Riddle falls right behind him. They're both on the outside of the ring and you see Riddle just constantly beat up on Seth he grabs Seth by the head and just starts bouncing his head off the commentary table. He walks over to the timekeeper's table. Riddle, might I add, goes and now grabs a steel chair. And now he wants to try to bash in Seth's head on the commentary table. But once he swings the chair, he would miss because Seth would move himself out of the way and then go back into the ring. So Riddle would follow. And as soon as Riddle slides into the ring, Seth will hit him with a curb stomp. So now we got Riddle laid out. We know that Seth has the opportunity to win and cover Riddle, but he doesn't. He decides to now get on the second turnbuckle, 
And now he's waiting for Riddle to get back to his feet. And once Riddle does, he jumps off and hits a diving curb stomp on Riddle, then to cover him and win the match. This match was a good match between Seth and Riddle. Again, the main focus of this match was Riddle's whole temperament. Is he going to snap off at Seth? Was Seth going to make him snap and how was he going to do it? And ultimately, we all got the answer to all three of those questions towards the end of the match. Everybody knew we were going to get a good match between Seth and Riddle. I thought that Riddle was going to win and that this was going to be like Riddle's way of capping off Seth for constantly playing mind games with him and getting the upper hand on him every single time. But no, Seth would get the win. And after the match, as Seth's up on the ring, uh, not ring apron, on the ramp, you see the camera turn to Seth and Seth is looking at Riddle as Riddle's now leaning on the ropes. And you just hear Seth tell Riddle, bye-bye, see you never. And now Seth is now having his eyesight planned and looking forward to the Undisputed Universal Championship. And that's where it's supposed to be. When you're a caliber superstar like a Seth Rollins or a Matt Riddle, you're, like, your big major plan should be going after the big major title. So Seth's whole idea now is, okay, I'm going after the major title now. Riddle's in my rear view, but I guarantee you Riddle is not in Seth's rear view. Somehow, Riddle's going to get back at Seth for all the mind games that he's been playing with him. How are they going to do it? I don't know. I'm interested in it. But I want to know personally, when are we going to get Randy back in? I understand Randy Orton is injured, but when is Randy going to come back? Because right now, Riddle is kind of losting, like, lost without Randy at the moment. And they could play that into the story, too, that he is losing his focus and randy could be the guy to call up riddle and tell him hey yo i see you you're losing your focus you need to get yourself together don't worry about what seth's doing he's playing mind games and give him that big brother mentorship that he was doing in rk bro but this time just not being with him give him a phone call here and there they could play off that on raw when they want to do that but i don't know if we reach that story with matt to have randy call him but, again, this is me just throwing it out there. We will have to see what they do with creative. Again, I'm just throwing ideas out here that I think that would work for Riddle's character. Now to the main event, the Undisputed Universal Championship matchup. Drew McIntyre going against Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns had absolutely nobody in his corner. He did not have the Wiseman Paul Heyman. Paul is still recovering from taking an F5 through the commentary table at SummerSlam, and the Usos and Sami Zayn were not medically cleared. They do announce that on commentary as Roman is making his way through because they got assaulted by Drew McIntyre on Friday Night SmackDown. So it was a level playing field of Drew McIntyre going against Roman Reigns. Wow, might I add, Tyson Fury was watching this match at ringside, and the reason why I mentioned Tyson Fury is because that during towards the end of the match, you would see Theory come out with the Money in the Bank briefcase and he wants to cash it in. And this is whenever Drew and Roman are both laid out on the mat. And if Theory were to cash in, he would be easily able to become the new champion. Theory would run down to the timekeeper table, tell them, hey, I'm cashing in the Money in the Bank briefcase. But before they can even announce it, Tyson Fury would KO Theory. I mean, just hit him with one like punch to the face and Theory will be knocked out. So Theory is still your money in the bank. 
uh, holder. He did not cash in, so he has that chance later down the line when he actually does get to finally cash it in. But tonight just wasn't his night. Also, you had Karrion Cross distract uh, Drew McIntyre during this match at one point when Drew was dominating Roman Reigns, and you saw Karrion throw a bottle of water at Drew. Drew wanted to get at him, but no, he was not able to because Roman was able to then attack Drew McIntyre. And then once that was happening, you saw Karrion Cross no more during the event. I mean, he did not play a part towards the end of the match. He only played a part, and I mean a small part, towards like the beginning of the match. So, I mean, I understand we're still doing the whole Karrion Cross thing. He's still like a threat for the main event picture. But for him just to like throw a bottle of water to like break Drew's like focus, and that's the only thing that we did with Karrion, I see that we're going to use him real, use Karrion uh, real sparingly. And whenever the time for Karrion to go against Drew, that's like the big thing that we're trying to build up here. That's going to be like something that everybody wants to see because Karrion has constantly been screwing with the mind of Drew McIntyre. That's the way that they're building this. But getting toward the match with uh, Drew and Roman, Roman Reigns in this match, you could literally see a fusion of the big dog and the tribal chief in this matchup. And I'll break it down like this. Once the match happened, and it was the beginning of the match. You heard the whole audience, the whole crowd there cheering for Drew McIntyre. I mean, it was a Drew McIntyre just audience because obviously they're in his part of the country. There are they are in his backyard, if you will. And everybody's cheering for Drew. Now, if this was over in the States, it'll be a 50-50 Drew McIntyre, Roman Reigns deal. But here, no, just straight up Drew. So this breaks Roman's concentration. Roman is perplexed by this. And without neither the wise man, Paul Heyman, or the Usos, Roman is just a straight up big shark in the ocean without his people around him. So you have that going down. You see Drew beating up on him. And you see that Roman actually has to cower away from Drew McIntyre. This is the big dog aspect whenever Braun Strowman was in WWE and Braun Strowman was the monster among men and Braun was just beating and beating the brakes off of Roman Reigns. And Roman from time to time would have to like literally back away to try to gather himself before he attacks Braun Strowman. He had to do that here with Drew McIntyre. He had to really stop and really figure out a way how he's going to attack Drew McIntyre and the tribal chief part of this fusion was that whenever he was actually able to, he was actually back to getting on the tank mission. And what I mean by tank, usually when he's asked the tribal chief, he would just mow down his opponent. He was actually able just to do his business, trash talk him, and just get the win. That's exactly what we got with Drew, uh, Roman Reigns here. He was able to beat up and trash talk Drew towards like the middle and ending of the match. So the beginning of the match, you got to see the big dog of Roman Reigns come back to life. But towards the end, you got to see the tribal chief take the wheel and just start doing what he had to do. But anyway, towards the end of the match, you would see Drew and Roman slug it out in the middle of the ring. Drew would hit Roman with the spear and then a claymore. And then he makes the pin. And we think that Drew won the match. He's going to get his WrestleMania moment here in Cardiff. But no. The referee will get to a two count, and then he gets pulled 
out of the ring by a man dressed in all black. And then the camera will pull and show over the man who's dressed in black. And then he unmasks or unhoods himself. And it turns out to be Solo Sokoa. Solo Sokoa is an NXT wrestler who's now going to be on the main roster. And also, very important here, he is the Usos' youngest brother. So, by proxy, not even by proxy, by blood, he is Roman Reigns' cousin. So, ta-da! Since the Usos couldn't be there, they sent their younger brother there to help out the tribal chief. Drew McIntyre would grab Solo, bring him onto the ring apron, and as he's holding Solo Zakoa, Solo would grab Drew and drape Drew's neck onto the top rope, breaking free of Drew's grip, and this would allow Roman to spear Drew McIntyre, and they cover him for the win. So Roman Reigns is still your undisputed champion. He still conquers. He's still going about his long championship reign. Uh, I mean, this was supposed to be Drew McIntyre's night, but it got ruined because of, well, bloodline interference yet again. So Roman Reigns is your champion. Uh, after the match, Tyson Fury would get in the ring, and you think that he's about to have a problem with Roman because he's talking to Roman, but in the end, you just see him and Roman shake hands, and it seems to me that commentary played it off by Tyson Fury giving Roman some respect from champion to a champion. And you see Roman head to the back with Sol Sokoa to the back. And then now you have Tyson Fury and Drew McIntyre in the middle of the ring, and Tyson Fury gets a mic, tell Drew that he shouldn't be disappointed in himself tonight. He did his country proud. And then Tyson Fury will start singing... American Pie, which was very, very uh different and perplexed to me, but apparently over there in the UK, that's their thing. They sing songs over there. They're real jovial. So, hey, I didn't question it like that. Drew would get the mic after Tyson would sing, and he would say that he's going to get his hands on an undisputed championship someday, and he thanks Cardiff for being awesome tonight, and that's how Clash of the Castle ends with Drew McIntyre and Tyson Fury just being in the ring. And to me personally, I'm not mad at that. I thought Drew was going to get his WrestleMania moment here in front of his whole entire, like, people, 62,000 of them. This was like a legit WrestleMania stat number. But no, he didn't get that. So we just got to see when will Drew get his WrestleMania moment in front of fans. It just wasn't tonight. It was real weird that it wasn't, but I mean, it continue on with the story. Who is going to beat Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Championship? Who at this moment? I don't know who they got. I mean, right now, we're lining up, probably carrying Cross to do something. We could always go back to Drew McIntyre, but this time we could probably add Karrion and a triple threat. We can go to Seth Rollins because Seth has his eyes locked onto that championship. We can go to somebody else. It's just not clicking who else to me right now. But we have a plethora of people that WWE could easily throw in. But who is the guy that's going to take the title off of Roman? That's the bigger question. I don't know. So we'll have to see whenever they go along with that. But Clash of the Castle was a nice event. Again, to me, uh, the match of the night was Sheamus versus Gunther. Obviously, they were just two guys just slugging it out with each other. You guys already knew where to think of when you thought of this match happening and they were able to meet and exceed my expectation when it came out of these two just slugging it out in the middle of the ring and it was the second match of the night 
well, not second match of the night, second match on the show, but it was the match of the night. So if I were to tell you to go back and watch one of these matches, I'm going to say the Intercontinental Championship matchup. But I say watch the whole show. It's like legitimately six matches on the card is like, what, two hours, 40 minutes. You're not going to be disappointed in the action that you get to see. So watch Clash the Castle. It's a nice uh, card. And also, by the way, the three that I did get right were uh, Bailey's team winning, uh, Gunther winning, Liv Morgan winning. I lost when I said that the Judgment Day was going to win, but they lost. I lost when I say Riddle was going to win, but he lost. And I thought Drew was going to win, but he lost. So, like, again, half of the card at the beginning half, I was right. But then towards the end, I was wrong on all three. So I went 50% on this uh, card here. But again, Clash of the Castle, good show. And I want to remind you all that I do have a Sunday episode out right now that if you haven't listened to it, go ahead and listen to it. It's called Deja Vu. And I will be giving you guys another wrestling review tomorrow on Monday. And it will be reviewing of NXT's Worlds Collide, which will be happening tonight. And also AEW's All Out, which also will be happening tonight. So expect that review tomorrow on Monday. So with that all being said, I hope you guys have a good Sunday. Please be careful out there. Please uh, enjoy your Labor Day weekend and just be nice to everybody that you come in contact with. Don't be a dick. Love everyone as much as you can. So with that, this has been G2. I love you all. And Kanye, could you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh Jesus wept.